0: It's the City on Sports podcast with
1: Aaron Cow.
2: I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm forty. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with The Skinny on Sports.
1: We're talking about practice, man.
2: I'm the MVP.
1: And good Tuesday morning out there, western Oklahoma. Welcome to The Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM. The Sports Animal. We're hanging out at Janice's Cafe this morning, 2103 South Main Street, uh, Suite A and B. Uh, glad to uh, be here. Huge crowd on hand. Everybody's eating breakfast or lunch as we've learned here in the last couple of weeks being here at janice's you can get the full menu at any point in the day and so if you want a a bacon cheeseburger or a chicken fried steak or what have you for breakfast you can have that if you want omelets and eggs and pancakes for for lunch or dinner you can have that as well as janice's uh, serves that menu all day long the full menu uh, right here 2103 south main suite a in elk city uh, there's been a bunch of people here so far today, Jared. I know, uh, that Kind of hanging around. Let's we'll see some familiar faces Maybe in the crowd today.
3: was a hot breakfast on a cold morning.
1: <laughs> coffee is flowing. That's right. Kind of, uh, it's a good day for it. I haven't really been wanting much coffee lately, but today is a perfect day. To get you a cup of joe. All right, coming up on the show today, we're going to go, I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going to go long. Um, we're going to go into uh, the 10 o'clock hour because, at 10:15, due to class obligations, uh, we're going to have the head coach of the Burns Flat Dill City Eagles, Brian Archer. He's going to join us at 10:15 to talk about the Eagles' season so far, undefeated 7-0, with three games remaining in Class A's District One. They're tied atop the standings with Fairview right now. So we're going to talk to Brian at 10:15 once he kind of gets out of class and, and can step away and holler at us. High school stuff coming at the end of the show as well. All three statewide rankings are out. That's Tulsa World, uh, the Oklahoma and the AP poll. So we'll kind of dissect those in 4A, Class A, Class B, where everybody's at this week. Also, big game coming up on Thursday night with the Elk City Elks and Weatherford Eagles. It could be a, a pseudo district title game, um, depending on the results. So we'll kind of get, kind of lay out those scenarios of what could happen. You know, what the results are. You know, how that how that works out uh, for the district title. College football will wrap up the weekend that was just an incredible day of football on Saturday. We kind of we got into it just a little bit, but not really in depth yesterday. So we'll hit that. There's some huge games coming up this week as well. Another really good slate of college football. And then, of course, our top 10 for the week. Also, we'll wrap up the NFL with last night's game uh, with the Chargers winning in overtime over uh, the Denver Broncos. I don't know how much we want to talk about that game specifically, but uh, throughout the weekend, obviously, Kansas City Buffalo was a huge game. Um, a fun game to watch. Tony Romo mentioned it a few times, and it makes a lot of sense to me because they're both in the same um, conference. Is Mahomes-Allen akin to what we saw for all those years with Brady and Manning? Um, Quarterback controversy in Dallas appears to be done (laughs) for what we saw on Sunday night. New York? New York? How many people realize that the two of those teams aren't even in New York?
3: Yeah, I know. All right. New Jersey, New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you know the best team in who's the best team in New New York? It's the Bills because they're the only ones that's in they're, they're, New York. They're actually
3: in New York. You're right. <laughs> uh,
1: but a uh, really good start for both the Jets and the Giants. And then the NFC. Really interesting when you look at the standings because outside of the NFC Beast or East, there's only one team outside of that division that currently resides above 500. I don't think anybody saw that coming, that the NFC East would have three of the four above 500 teams six weeks into the season. We're a third of the way through the season, and only one other NFC team has a winning record besides those three teams in the East. So that's a, that's an interesting anomaly, and we'll have the top five in the league as well as we see it after Week six. So 225 is the phone or the text line. 225 9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text, or heck, come by Janice's and have breakfast, hang out with us. Uh, we'd like to see everyone's smiling face at 225 9698. Shoot us a text uh, if you would. If you haven't want to talk about any of those things that I just laid out or whatever else would be on your mind, if you're getting stoked, shockingly enough, that the NBA is back tonight. The thunder start tomorrow that that's completely off my radar screen until I heard a conversation about that driving in and it didn't even occur to me that that was happening so um basketball is here high school basketball will be here in the small schools two weeks from friday Wow what has happened to the first nine weeks of the school year uh two two five nine six nine eight gonna be outside the listening area a couple ways to stay in touch with the show k a d s a m dot com or i or uh the paragon app. The app's got it all. It's got the radio stations. It's got the Penny News. Brand-new edition of that Penny News will hit the website tonight at midnight. So rush out and get you a free copy of this week's Penny News, and you might be able to get a fresh copy uh, tomorrow afternoon in certain locations for sure by Thursday. You can pick up a brand-new Penny News uh, for this week. Also, Big Elk TV, Paragon TV, both incorporated within the app. There's live video streaming of the high school sports. Elk City on Thursday, Hollis Merritt on Friday. Uh, so, you could watch those games uh, at your pleasure at, on your phone with that Paragon Communications app. Also, the uh, Skinny On Sports Face- uh, Facebook page, good grief. The podcast. If you miss the show entirely, you can go back and check us out on iTunes or kadsam.com. Good morning, Jared. Good morning. How are you this fine morning? I'm a little cold still.
3: I- I'm a little chilly. <laughs> it takes a little bit to get used to that, doesn't it?
1: Oh, no. What's that? On the text line, just right here off the bat. It's colder than Jared's heart about cheerleading this morning.
3: All right. Somebody will sit on that one for a while. Just waiting for the right opportunity to jump in there and say that. Once again, putting words in my mouth. That is harsh, man. I I never said that.
1: There was some controversy with you and you and cheerleading. No, there was a not. Month back.
3: There was not. Oh, Jared. Oh, boy. The I...
1: listener is always right. And yeah. the listeners <laughs> felt as if there was some okay. controversy.
3: Okay. Oh, man. Where sh- okay, let's move on. So, where should we begin?
1: Oh, yeah, here you go from our favorite referee. How fast is this high school season going? Week 8 is upon us. No kidding. I mean, it just feels like it started, and now – we're going to be talking about playoff scenarios and who can go where depending on results of games for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how fast it, fl- it flies by. Starting the NFL, uh, what were some of your takeaways from what we saw uh, starting on Thursday all the way through last night?
3: I think we got what we expected out of the two big games between Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, that was going to be a dogfight, and it was from start to very finish. Uh, two of the best teams in the league going at it, and... and um, Uh, It took a couple key plays there at the end to win it for Buffalo. Um, Same thing, I think, can be said to a lesser extent between Dallas and Philadelphia. At first it looked like it was going to be a blowout, but then Dallas showed that they do have some talent on that team. That's a tough environment to play on a a night game, no less, on a Sunday night. And uh, the way they battled back, but, uh, you know, makes you wonder if Dak was taking the snaps, would things have been different? Um, so I think we got what we uh, lo- what we expected out of those two games uh, and those were two good games um but it, everything I mean and then the upsets Green Bay uh, losing Tampa Bay losing um is there another one I'm, I'm missing I mean those but, you know it's the NFL you're gonna get those every once in a while and I think we were sandwiched between Thursday and Monday uh, with uh, the bread of bad games I, I didn't like last night's game the way it started I, I was losing count of how many flags, and I thought, here we go again, Denver. Um, what is it about Denver and playing, you know, even though it went to overtime, were you entertained? Not really. Um, you know, that's just unfortunate for the NFL when you schedule those games, hoping that, you know, when you're in a primetime game, you're going to get uh, better games than that. And But I'll go back to um, when I saw the season uh, schedule released, and, uh, the broadcast schedule, and I saw all the games that Denver was getting in prime time. And I thought to myself, I get it, Russell Wilson's there. He's a the guy to watch. But we don't know anything. Is he gonna work in Denver? They don't how do, and they're they were banking too much on that of the unknown of of Russell Wilson as a Bronco. And the NFL's paying for it. Uh, yeah, hopefully that's over. We, <laughs> hopefully, yeah.
1: for the first six weeks, and then we can just step away from the Broncos for a yeah, while. Yeah,
3: but now Thursday night, it's Arizona and, help me, Arizona and somebody. Now, uh, they get Hopkins back. Is Arizona going to be a better product? We hope, for Kingsbury's sake, he hopes they are. Is he going to be the next midseason firing? <laughs> if the thing keeps going the way they're going,
1: it's a good thing this isn't a bye week for him.
3: Oh, uh, it's, it looks rough. You're right. But um, by the way, did you see the troll job by by uh, Seattle? Yes, <laughs> yes, I did. In <laughs> Pete Carroll's tweet, or was it his tweet or Seattle's tweet? See, I think it was Seattle. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> trolling uh, Kingsbury. No, other over, overall though, I mean, nothing was going to top what we got Saturday in college football. I don't think, but but Sunday. I mean, those two games that I pointed out, I thought were fun. I I enjoyed them.
1: Yeah, Bill, Bill's Chiefs is just going to be a battle every time those two teams play uh, for, the next, or for the foreseeable future as long as both of those quarterbacks are healthy with Mahomes and Allen. I thought Romo made a great point because it's something that was kind of thought about last year after that incredible divisional playoff game in Kansas City when those two battled and scored all those points in the last couple of minutes of that game. But this does feel like the new version of what, Manning and Brady was right. I mean, mm-hmm. you got Mahomes, you got Allen. They're both in the same conference, so the the chance to play each other every single season is going to be there uh, with with the divisional championships that automatically puts them um, on the schedule. They're going to be there every couple of years anyway. I know last year or uh, next year, excuse me, the game is already scheduled because it's the AFC West and the AFC East, so we get to see Mahomes and we get to see Allen go at it for sure next year. The one thing that I think is interesting about This game and the result is this. We might actually see Pat Mahomes have to go on the road in the playoffs. It's something he's never – that's amazing to me. I know. With with the playoff runs that they've made uh, in his short career that he's never had to go on the road. He's always had that AFC title game in the comfortable confines of Arrowhead Stadium. And now basically Allen and the Bills have a two-game lead over the Chiefs. Right. Because you know yeah. if they tie the tiebreaker clearly goes uh, the head to head matchup. So uh, for the first time in his career, at least early, well, you know we kind of wrote him off a little bit last year too, and then they came back with a vengeance and ended up being the uh, having the hosting that game at the end. But right now, at least, it does look like Pat Mahomes could actually have to go on the road. That's, it's just it's fascinating to me that that's never happened so far. Um, but he he and Allen, I think that that comparison. At least the possibilities of that comparison are valid w- with them being both AFC teams as Manning and Brady were for all those years and getting all those matchups. And here's the thing, in order for it to kind of get to that point, we have to see great football games when they get together. And to this point, that's what we've seen is great football games, and, and, and especially in the playoffs uh, that memorable division game. If they can do that again, say in the uh, in the uh, AFC Championship game up in Buffalo, mm-hmm. now you're now you really got that ball rolling and really establishing a a, 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 a matchup and a, and a rivalry between not only the two teams but the two quarterbacks that are at the the head of the snakes of both of those teams.
3: Yeah, uh, we were always kind of talking about who's going to take the. Uh... Paton away from from Brady, you know. We thought that'd be Mahomes, and then here, you know. But we never talked about who's going to be Mahomes' rival, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better term. Not that yeah. they hate each other. The
1: Manning, the Manning, yeah. To the we, Brady. We
3: never talked about that, but this is it. It's and, clear, and it's clear. And then every time they play, it's put down what you're doing, sit down and watch this game because you're going to get entertained. Even when, like, late in that game, um, Sunday when Kansas City went up, I just had this feeling. Here oh, comes Buffalo. Oh. I mean, they're going to come down here. This is going to be a fun ending. I mean, let's be
1: honest. Even after Allen throws that touchdown pass to Dox, to Dawson Knox to, to take the lead, who it, in the world or, thought it was going to end that quickly yeah, the other way? Exactly. I mean, I, I was probably 85% sure that Mahomes is going to lead a touchdown drive, mm-hmm. and if not, at least get it down there to where, you know, he's slinging it into the end zone as time is expiring uh, on this deal, and instead the very first play got the pressure and threw the pick question on the text line and i think this is an interesting one because in my mind there's no doubt that mahomes and allen are the top two quarterbacks in the nfl uh, and i think that's by a pretty sizable margin mm-hmm. with brady getting old Rodgers isn't isn't what he was um, even a couple of years ago so you've got those two way up on this on this pedestal above everybody you can put them either way mahomes is more accomplished allen looks like the more physically talented is that even possible with what Mahomes does but with his stature and his running ability whatever you can put him 1a and 1b but then there's a pretty small or a pretty large drop off in my mind to who's number three so that's the question and and this question is is Jalen Hurts the third best quarterback in the league after those top two
3: this season maybe if we're going season by season, he's he's climbing up the ranks. But overall, I mean, it's going to be hard to put him above. Say, I know Rogers isn't having the greatest of years, but it's hard to put him above him. Uh, obviously, Tom Brady. But this season, he's playing, and, I, and I'll still – I mean, I've said it um, a couple of weeks ago, and I'll still say it. Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. So this season, I, I'd say he's around that tier two. You know, tier one clearly is is Josh Allen and in, in Mahomes, and then after that you got um, those I'd mentioned. But he's playing. I mean, Jalen. I gotta see more. I guess I gotta see more of a from each season. You know, can he get better each season and stay consistently good each season? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's he he he's in the conversation this season. He is overall. Like n not, not yet. Yeah, too early. It's uh, too I would, early.
1: I would agree. I mean he, I, he's
3: having a great season now, but what happens if he you know, they start tuning two, two next year?
1: Well, and I, I I think that he is completely outperformed even the wildest expectations coming out of Oklahoma, right? I mean Yeah, yeah. Everyone kinda was, went,
3: Whoa, he got drafted. He you well, know, <laughs> in the second round. I mean <laughs> then, or third round whatever.
1: Yeah. But he you know, he was one of those guys that you always wanted it, wanted wanted it for him, and wanted him to play good because he he seems like such a nice guy. He's got such high character, uh, a great leader, hard work, and all uh, those. Yeah. In, you know, he kind of had those intangibles. But then the tangible that you could watch him was, eh, the arm is okay, accuracy is okay. I think he's in a great position, and and this is a point that, that's a way larger point when it comes to drafting these quarterbacks. The the situation that they're put in matters so much more to me than how, how talented they really are. Because there's, there's only a couple, two or three or four, that are so talented that they can overcome the situation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Tom Brady's going to work wherever Tom Brady went, at least later on in his career, because he was so talented. Peyton Manning is that way. Uh, you know, you could make the case for Aaron Rodgers. We're seeing, we thought maybe Russell Wilson was one of those guys. We're seeing that's not true. I mean, the, the Russell Wilson we saw in Seattle is no is heads and shoulders above what we're seeing in Denver. I get it; it's the first year, but still, he doesn't even look like a talented guy in, in a lot of these situations, uh, in, in a lot of these games.
3: I think sometimes when you see guys—I don't mean interrupt—but when you see guys they get into league. I mean, Tom Brady is a fine example. He didn't look like a guy that's going to be an NFL quarterback, but there's a time I think when it when it clicks for him. this is how you play the nfl yeah but
1: but you have to be in the right spot sure that too yeah of course you know if if jalen hurts is in a lot of other places i don't think we're sitting here talking about what a great season he's having but nick sirianni and that offensive staff at at philadelphia is smart enough to tailor the offense to his strengths and and unfortunately out of the 32 teams in the league well over half of them aren't that smart you know Mm -hmm. think think about the the guys that end up being bust or not as good as you thought a lot of times it's because they're, re, they're just cycling through offensive coordinators, head coaches, because the franchise is horrible, and they don't know how to, how to manage to put the right pieces around them. Right. You know, I, just, I think there's, there's a top 5 or 10% of these guys that get drafted that are going to work in spite of what the NFL or what their teams are doing, mm-hmm. but the rest of it, it, it's all about situation and how the team is building somebody, something around them. Think about like Drew Brees. Drew Brees down in, in New Orleans. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the all-time great quarterbacks, but guess what they did? New Orleans and Sean Payton, in, in, in that, they were smart enough. What did they need to do? They needed to keep people out of his face. So the, the center and the two guards were always the best part of that offensive line. That way they could keep that push from coming right in his face mm-hmm. because he was so small and he didn't have to worry about, you know, seeing over the top of people rushing right at him. They always, always committed resources to doing that. And right. then, of course, then they got him some weapons on the outside too. You know, a decent run game here and there, but they always had the those three guys – in the center of their offensive line, the stoutest part of that offensive line, in order to help him not have to have people in his face because he was so short. Right. I mean, that's just one example, but there's a whole bunch of other ones like that as well. And, and so, you know, there, there's it's good to see Jalen Hurts be able to to receive that recognition from his own team. Okay, here's how he can do it. Here's how he can make plays. Now, let's, let's, let's put those guys around him. And what do they have? A pretty good offensive line, adding A.J. Brown, his best buddy, from way back in high school. <clears throat> you know, he tried to get A.J. Brown to go to Alabama when he was there. Putting those guys around him, drafting Devontae Smith, having dial Scott. I mean, he's got, and Philadelphia has given him the weapons in order to succeed. So I'm like you, is he the third-best quarterback in the league? No. Is he playing like it? Yes
3: right now he is yes
1: you know that and that's i think that's the there's going to always be a distinction there um
3: and he keeps playing like this it's going to be hard to i mean he's going to be up there he's going to be well injected to the conversation of mvp
1: oh 100% i right. mean
3: because right now i think it's josh allen and and then yeah. you got you could throw him about three or four other guys including him but if he keeps playing like this keeps them in the top of the nfc east hell keeps him undefeated you know, come December time, they're going to be like, hey, this guy, you know, just look at him. He's 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 uh, guiding these guys to uh, be contenders. And and really, you take him off that team and, and they're I don't say they're in shambles, but they're not as good as they are. Yeah, and and I mean, that's that's that. I, I don't ending. know if
1: that's true, honestly, because that's that, that roster is awesome.
3: That, right.
1: Not, but not taking anything away from him. But but here's the thing. If it's not him, it looks to me like they will tailor to a different quarterback. And the strengths that they have, look at what they've got. I mean, they've got – A.J. Brown is one of the top, what, five receivers in the league. Devontae Smith is one of the better young receivers in the league. Goddard's been a really good tight end for a long time. That offensive line is fantastic uh, up front. And then look at the defense. I mean, th- their roster is loaded, and I think that's a lot of the- – think, think back to before the season started. Even the people picking the Eagles to win the NFC East, what was the concern? is Jalen Hurts good enough? Right. The rest, the, the rest of the roster is ready to go. Is Jalen Hurts, can he continue to get better? Can he continue to do what we saw him you know, last year begin to do? And the answer so far to that is a resounding yes. But, I mean, in as great of a story as it is, I guess, at the same time, the, the, the Eagles did such a good job building around, around him that it's, I think that'll be a kind of a detriment to him in some ways at the end.
3: Well, I guess my question is, they built around him, but if the, he got injured, with the next guy up, would it tailor to his needs? Does that I make think sense? I, I
1: think they will tailor it to his needs.
3: I mean, what well, with saying. the current personnel,
1: no, I think they can. I, I, okay. th- I, I don't think I think they're doing a good job of calling plays for Jalen Hurts' strengths. If it's somebody else that's different than him, I think they have the personnel and the ability to kind of change what they're doing. To go to to tailor toward that person, so I don't even know who the backup is. Oh, in <laughs> Philly, um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that coaching staff and, and with the the talent that's on that roster, it's a loaded roster. I, I think that they're able, they would be able to kind of on the fly change things enough uh, to accentuate what the strengths are. Of uh, I'll tell you who it is. Oh, Gardner Minshew.
3: Oh. I there well, he is,
1: Gardner Minshew. Remember that guy? Yeah, or Ian Book, Ian Book from Notre Dame. So yeah, I, I, you know, does it? Are they able to pull a, a Nick Foles and the backup quarterback lead them all the way to the Super Bowl title? I don't know. Not many teams are, but I, I think with with, with Minshew and the, and the offensive talent that's around him, heck yeah! I mean, you're you're talking about for sure a team that can still at least. Uh, depending on how long Hertz would be out, at least kind of steady the waters, uh, a lot what Cooper, Cooper Rush has done in Dallas, to, to keep them going and, and, you know, at least kind of right the ship for a few weeks while waiting on Hertz to get back. Yeah. Uh, how, how surprising is it, in your mind, the New York, uh, the New Jersey teams, the New York teams of the Jets and the Giants nine and three through six weeks of play so far?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd be dumb to say I'm not surprised. Everyone, I mean, the Jets are always going to be the Jets, and you're never going to give them a chance. And then uh, the Giants, I think, because of of the uh, preseason um, prognations about Philadelphia and, and Dallas, and then thought well, Washington's going to not be good and in here with the uh, the Giants. But looking at the Giants' results, I mean, they're they've kind of are they lucky to get where they're <laughs> at? Mean- you know. Or is it just, or, or, you know, is it, is it merited? I don't know. I think I'm more surprised about the Jets.
0: Of
1: course. Oh, we all are, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could have talked. But you
3: still, to, listen, with the Giants, you still, I like Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah, that's the difference. Okay. You could talk yourself into Daniel Jones because he's had some moments where he's pretty good and then some moments where maybe he wasn't so yeah. good. And they still On got the Barkley. side, you couldn't talk yourself into Zach Wilson if you tried. You know tried. me, I've never yeah, been a fan of right. Zach Wilson
3: never been a fan of that guy so that's why I, the giants wouldn't and, and again barkley i mean you got it you got barkley on your team you keep him healthy yeah that's you the got, key you get solid quarterback play i think you're gonna be all right i thought they're gonna fall off once um Shepard went down again but then there they go again he's he's gone again
1: well and they got the kenny galladay they got they drafted the kendarius tony they're not none of those guys are even really contributing And somehow they're still able to win some games. You know, the the defense for the Giants has been kind of sneaky good the past couple years, but nobody noticed because they were so bad. Right, if that makes sense. So maybe we we kind of uh, underestimated that a little bit. But you're right; they've also won some games that they just pulled completely out of the fire.
3: Well, the the uh, London game
1: and last week comes to
3: mind. Last week comes to mind.
1: Boy, the Ravens.
3: But you know, Boy who cares? You know, they're looking at it, going, "Who cares?" Five and, Five and one. one. Who cares matter? what the score was?
1: The Ravens have lost. I think that's their third loss when they've tra- when they've led by at least uh, ten points, and then that one coming at uh, at the hands of the Giants on the comeback, Lamar with that ridiculous pick. Um, you know that that division is struggling, and as Jim said yesterday, the Steelers have looked pretty awful so far this year, and they're only one game out of the lead in the in, in the uh, AFC North, uh, which is just plumb shocking. Um, and then also I mentioned, you know, the Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles, all with winning records so far through six weeks. The only other team in the NFC to to be able to say that is Minnesota. And quite frankly, the Vikings haven't looked very good. And it, but you look up, they're the same way as the Giants, five and one through six weeks.
3: Yeah, and they're going to be in everybody's top five, and probably including ours. <laughs> I put but them it's, in I, mine, and I didn't. I'm want looking to. at them, going, man. Are they really better than this team? Are they really better than that team? But uh, again, I mean, the record speaks for itself, and they just continue to to produce wins. And I think they're in a division where they're going to be okay.
1: Do you? Because well,
3: the way Green Bay is looking, and of course Chicago, I think Vikings are looking like they're the better team in that division.
1: Yeah, I, no doubt. I mean, Green Bay looks terrible right now. Yep. And the Vikings are just finding ways to win. Question on the text line, why is Jalen Hurts distancing himself from OU these days? Uh, is that, I guess, the, probably in reference to him, um, Channel View High School, it was his you know, Sunday night football. But we always going to get mad
3: if somebody does that. Well, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I don't tune into that what's stuff. He, I, don't.
1: I guess my question is, what's he supposed to say? If he says one, he's disrespecting the other? Is he supposed to say Bama and OU?
3: How come he's distancing himself from his middle school then? If he's not saying his middle school, I mean, come on. I don't know if that's what
1: he's in reference to. I don't
3: think think it means anything.
1: And then the question about is why are there more Baker Mayfield jerseys than Hurts jerseys? One, Baker Mayfield kind of reinvigorated Oklahoma football. Yeah. Two, Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy. So uh, I mean the story of Baker story, Mayfield
3: yeah. is is nothing against Hurts, but it's more inspiring how he walked on oh, walk to on, his yeah. uh, favorite school, and he had the confidence to do it. Goes in, and the rest is history. I mean, it's an inspiring tale that you could tell for ages to young kids. Go listen. Never give up. Never give up. You feel like you're good enough. Go prove it. Go do it. And that's what you know Baker Mayfield did. That's why I mean, and he's and he's arguably one of the greatest. who you football players ever
1: yeah I and mean, that's that is that yeah and another uh, about Jalen Hurts maybe he just likes Bama better than OU maybe so that's his prerogative I
3: mean, situational stuff happened there why he left Alabama to come to OU
1: yeah I, don't, I, wouldn't I mean shoot
3: he weird. almost went to Maryland
1: I, mean, I wouldn't could, get too worked up about I'm that not,
3: I don't read into much of that
1: uh what is your top five in the NFL this, uh, this uh, week
3: I still have Dallas my top five if they got blown out I would have dropped them hard but um I still got them there. Vikings at four. There they are. I,
1: I, we're going to have the same five. There I they are. Feel it. I don't know. Okay.
3: I got Philly three, oh, Kansas no, City two, Buffalo one.
1: I have the same five. I, I don't like having Minnesota in there. I, I really almost put Dallas four. Um, just Minnesota hasn't looked the part, but I've got Dallas five, Minnesota four, Kansas City three, Philly two, and Buffalo as the best team in the NFL. I think it's hard to argue that right now with the way the Bills have played. um, The game that they lost was just a shocking result with the way that that game, not that they lost to the Dolphins, but they had the ball for over 40-something minutes. They ran damn near 100 plays in the NFL, which is unheard of, and found a way to lose that game to the Dolphins. So it was just a a fluky thing that's keeping the Bills from being an undefeated team after that win in Kansas City. So I, I really do kind of think it's hard with what the Bills have on the on offense with Allen, um, Diggs and and, and Davis at the, at the receiver spots, it's interesting conversation to have. I think when you look at the Christian McCaffrey rumors, Buffalo, boy, howdy, that seems like the perfect place. Depending on what they'd have to give up to get him, but boy, you put Christian McCaffrey on that offense and then look out in the defense, Von Miller, he, he's consistently been a guy that has made plays at the end of games. That that wreak havoc on the other team's offense. He did it again the other day. Um, you always kind of look around uh, in those late game situations when the other team has to throw. You know he's coming, and you still can't block him. Right. And so you know that that defense for Buffalo was really really good. And yeah, so it's it's hard to do say. Who they give up they, to get him? That's if it's picks and you kick the can down the road and don't don't take anything off of this team. I think you do it. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because you have faith in your quarterback to make up for some, uh, you know, missed opportunities in the draft later on down the line maybe, because he's so good.
3: Maybe Buffalo does the L.A. Rams thing and goes all in this year. Yeah, but they, they I mean, push they, it all up to the, the center of the But here's table. the thing, though: they
1: don't have to. In the same way that the Rams did, because they have a quarterback. They have <laughs> they, they, they have, have the a team right
3: now that could win it yes, all. Yes, and they man. have yeah. they have
1: the quarterback that the Rams didn't have, and so they had to you know they had to give up so much more because of the position. I mean, would you give up a first round pick for Christian McCaffrey? That's a big contract, yeah, just, and you'd have to look to see how that goes. But yeah. it would really. certainly be enticing if I'm the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's take a break. Uh, wrap up the NFL talk for the week. It is a Paul Jones Drug Thursday. Thank you to Rodney Skinner at Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street here in Elk City. Paul Jones Drug is care you can trust. We'll tell you about Rodney and the gang down at Paul Jones Drug throughout the remainder of the show. We're at Janice's Cafe, 2103 South Main Street here in Elk City. Big crowd on hand for a breakfast. You can also get lunch right now if you'd like it. Looks like it says taco salad for the special here today at Genesis. We're coming back, skinning on Sports on the Sports Animal.
0: Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medications safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients. With their drive through window, curbside service, and free local delivery, it's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug. 809 809- North Main Street in Elk City.
1: I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust.
3: The Skinny on Sports.
1: Welcome back, Skinny on Sports 98.1 FM, the sports animal hanging out at Janice's Cafe this morning. Good crowd on hand having some breakfast here at 2103 South Main Street, Suite A. You're right here in Elk City. Also, this is Tuesday, so that means it's a Paul Jones Drug. Tuesday, Rodney Skinner and the gang down at Paul Jones Drug at 809 North Main Street. Man, they got it all. They're the oldest compounding pharmacy here in Elk City, uh, the most experienced compounding pharmacy. Uh, they can uh, you got your curbside testing. They'll do some delivery, uh, any vaccinations that are coming up. you know the flu. It's about flu season or starting flu season, so they can get you taken care of there. Uh, they got the long-term care blister packs. And we'll tell you the convenience packaging. What is convenience packaging, Aska? So, you know, you're used to seeing those pill cases or pill, would you call it a case? Is that what we're calling it? A pill case? Sure. We know what it is. Container, It kind It kind yeah. of look, looks like a, uh, one of those deals you'd put fishing lures in. Right. right. You carry around, see-through, or it can be green or orange or whatever color you want it to be. And then it's got the days of the week on the front. It's got about four compartments back, seven across, probably seven and seven maybe for every day of the week and you have to put your pills into it, right? you know, and the right dosages and, the, and all that has to be right, otherwise it's going to mess you up? No, no. At Paul Jones Drug, they'll just package it for you. You go to the, the the medicine cabinet, open it up, take your pills, boom, uh, you're done. You don't have to worry about being right on your dosages and your, in what you're putting in there. You don't have to worry about any of that uh, with the convenience packaging at Paul Jones Drug. Oh, here you go, a pill caddy.
3: Pill caddy?
1: Pill caddy is what we're calling okay. it here. Okay. That's a Paul Jones drug, 809 North Main Street here in Elk City. All right, college football, the weekend was unbelievable. Uh, Saturday from 11 till 11, basically, was just wall-to-wall, great, fun, exciting games. I, I thought it was a little bit more of an homage back to the early 2010s. At least it, it reminded me of a whole bunch of Big 12 games going on at, at the same time with, uh, with Oklahoma State and TCU, obviously, Bama and Tennessee. USC and Utah later on. First time in the history of college football were three top twenty-five matchups. All six teams scored above forty points in those three games. Just it, it was fun to watch. You know, some people might like the nine to six Alabama LSU from two thousand eleven. I'd rather see it be fifty-two to forty-nine uh, just because of the it's a little bit more exciting uh, to me. But it was a great weekend of college football. And this weekend now uh, you're looking ahead at some games or some big ones, but Looking back, what uh, maybe some a couple of things that, that that struck you as you watched on Saturday?
3: I think this thing is wide open, Aaron. Towards the end of the year, we thought we knew who the top three were, and then maybe a wild card number four. But I I think, and this is going to reflect in our top ten or my top ten, that this that's why we play the game and. I'm really, really excited and anxious to see who the top four are in the playoff and then watch them play. I just hope they're not two duds of semifinal games and then we you know, we get the usual suspects in the championship game. Um I'm, I'm not I mean it used to look like that Georgia was this runaway best team. I'm not sure that's the case. They're good. Uh, Ohio State looks really solid, but here comes Michigan. Alabama looked really solid and then now Tennessee's come out of nowhere. Oh miss. Is going to be in this conversation. Um, I mean, we'll go out west. I know USC lost, but they are still capable of running the table. We could have a lot of one loss scenarios uh, for maybe even the third and fourth spot. So, again, I think the thing is wide open. The past weekend was evident of that. I think even this coming weekend and the weekend after that is going to, uh, it's not going to clear the picture up anymore because we're going to get a lot of really good games. We might get some more upsets and, and we just don't know who our top four or even five is. Uh, there's going to be arguments about it, But um, which is what we want. We want all that parity, right? We don't want one or two dominating teams. It just seems boring that way, But um, unless you're the fan of them. But I, w- I like to see three or four or five teams that are capable of possibly w- walking away with the national title, don't you?
1: Yeah, right now, I don't – It's it's – kind of in that in-between stage because I'm still not so sure that Bama, Georgia, Ohio State aren't a little bit of a class above everybody else. But at the same time, it doesn't appear at least this week that those teams, they're, they're, they're a cut above maybe, but that cut isn't as high as what we thought. You know, teams can go yeah. on the road and lose. That, that atmosphere in Knoxville was crazy. And a lot of things went against Alabama. They were completely undisciplined with all those penalties. All the things that happened. And when you look up, they've got a field goal to win it because of Bryce Young. Bryce Young is just an incredible player. And he, you know, you take him, you take Bryce Young off of that Alabama team, which is kind of crazy to say because of all the talent they normally have. You know, their skill position guys are nowhere near Nowhere near what they've been. Do you even know anybody's – any of those receivers, do you even know their names?
3: One of them doubt – no.
1: There was a kid named Prentice never heard of him. He's a freshman. He made some plays, number 80. Yeah. But the point is they went, right. they went from Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, and John Mechie that we forget about because he's been sick. They had those guys out there. You know, the the, the one guy that kind of scares you, I think, on the outside of Alabama is Cameron Latou, and he's the, he's the tight end. You know, they just don't quite have – um the, the skill position guys to really get going like they have, but that's how great Bryce Young is. It still doesn't he's he's able to kind of make up for all that with his with his exquisite talent. That dude is awesome. Is. I mean awesome. But Alabama feels you know, even even going into last week, it felt like they had a little bit of weakness that we haven't seen from them. Yep. Sure the you know, the, the Texas game kind of started that a little bit. Defensively, you you could see Quinn Ewers carving up that secondary until he got hurt. And then you fast forward to to Saturday, Hendon Hooker had his way. Five touchdown passes. I mean, when in in the world would you have ever thought a Nick Saban defense wasn't able to adjust to what was going on, and the same guy would catch five touchdowns? But that's exactly what Jalen Hyatt did. Yep. And and he and Hooker were able to connect. And then when all the focus was on Hyatt in those last couple of plays to drive down to try to kick a field goal – Hooker found somebody else. He found Brew McCoy on the on the last play, and so, you know that that Bama the Bama defense the Bama secondary is pretty suspect. And so when you have those skill guys on both sides of the ball, in the secondary and then and then the playmakers on the outside offensively, they're not quite at the level that they've been. Which, you know, I guess at some point you can't just continue to be at that level year in year out, having the best of the best that end up being great players in the NFL or what have you. But, I
3: thought last year was their rebuilding year.
1: Yeah, and it turned out not to be. They're playing for the <laughs> national title. Yeah, here's the saw on Twitter Alabama leads the nation in penalties. That's another thing that's saw just that too. it's so that is unheard out, of. Out of. Out of character for an Alabama team, um, especially under Nick Saban. Right. So they're you know, they're they're an interesting case. So I mean, right now I know we talked with Jim yesterday, so the scenario could be Bama runs the table. Georgia runs the table, undefeated going into the SEC title game, and then Tennessee's only loss is to Georgia. Then Bama beats Georgia. What the heck happens then? Let's, let's do a different scenario, Jared. Okay. Let's do a different one. Let's say that Bama loses again, but somehow with tiebreakers, they're able to represent the West.
3: Okay, so losing before They've got two the, losses before going it,
1: into the SEC title game. Gotcha. Georgia beats Tennessee. Georgia's undefeated. Alabama, a two-loss Alabama, beats Georgia. So you've got two-loss Alabama as the SEC champ. You got one loss. One-loss Georgia. Georgia. One-loss Tennessee. One Tennessee. Now, in opposed to with this scenario, Ohio State or Michigan goes undefeated. TCU goes undefeated. Clemson goes undefeated. UCLA goes undefeated. So the other four Power Five conferences all have undefeated conference champions. The SEC has a two-loss Alabama as their conference champ with one last Georgia, one last Tennessee hanging out there. What happens?
3: Sorry about your luck, but it's hard to keep an undefeated team out of the playoff. Do
1: you Am really I Even believe? Even if it's
3: a conference champion undefeated team,
1: Do you really believe the
3: world would burn down?
1: What world would burn down?
3: The, the everything outside of the Southeast would burn down because there'd be crime. Like, wait a minute. And then you got to think about this. I think a lot of it weighs in on the most uh, recency bias. Okay. They just won and and Georgia's coming off of a loss. Alabama has two losses. And so, I mean, that's, it seems to me that'd be real simple. If you have four undefeated conference champs,
1: okay. Do you really believe they'd leave the, uh, the SEC out?
3: I don't think they'd want to, but I think <laughs> they'd have to.
1: I mean, now listen. I, it's so hard have... to me to
3: see them leave I've seen the beat, we obviously we've seen the BCS do it.
1: They've left the big they left they've left the Big 10 out.
3: They've left uh, of the of the playoff. I remember way back when the of the BCS when I know it's com- I'm comparing apples to oranges, but when Auburn went undefeated,
1: right? Well, you know, but, the but, per, but, but the perception in two thousand four was completely different than the perception now. Yeah, as far as what the SEC is, and, and as far as the controlling understand. college football,
3: I just if it's a one-loss conference champ and a one-loss conference champ loser in the SEC, like Georgia, then I could see Georgia getting in over, say, uh, a, a uh, let's just say UCLA, packed 12 champion who has one loss well yeah they're gonna go georgia but if it's an under, if there's a zero next to that record while they're holding up a trophy oh man that's hard for me to to see that scenario working out for for the sec that's very hard for me to see and you know what
1: what about okay. this is
3: why we talk about it because it's never gonna happen <laughs> it's not gonna happen
1: what about
3: usc is gonna be let's UCLA say
1: let Miss Beats Alabama but drops one. So then it's Ole Miss representing the West. Okay. And they knock off undefeated Georgia.
3: Got two one-losses again. You've got a
1: one-loss Ole Miss as the SEC title winner. One-loss. Georgia and Tennessee hanging out there with one loss. But gotcha. but in this scenario, Ole Miss. Now, see, there's, in my mind, a one-loss Alabama SEC title SEC title winner is going to get in over one of those other four undefeated conference champs because it's Alabama. Now, what if it's Ole Miss with one loss and the SEC championship in their pocket and four other undefeated conference champs? I don't know if Ole Miss, hotty toddy, does it carry the same verbato? Does sure. it carry the same brand that Alabama does? Great question. Obviously not. But how much does the conference help? There's, you know, we, we can sit here and make a – we can come up with a scenario with three SEC teams in the playoff. Could we? Is that the only way we can come up with where there's none?
3: Yeah, that's the only way.
1: It's interesting though. If there's because... a
3: one-loss conference champ outside the SEC versus a one-loss SEC conference oh, it's, it's champ, no it's doubt. always going to be the SEC. No, no doubt. doubt. No doubt. No about doubt. It. it just means more. But if it's a, but if, if if there's Clemson and Ohio State and UCLA and I don't know, throw TCU in there, and they're all undefeated, holding up trophies. On championship Saturday.
1: It's been a while since we've had this many options for undefeated teams throughout the entirety of the, of the country.
3: And It goes back to what I thought, what I said. It still feels like this is thing is wide open. Here we are mid-October.
1: We buried, the big, we buried the Pac-12 again after Oregon was swamped by Georgia. And here we are. There's still a Pac-12 undefeated team. Nobody thought it was going to be UCLA, but there is. Uh, looking at, looking forward to this week. Oklahoma off, but OSU another huge game. Have you seen what the line has done in this game? It no, op- it opened around Pickham to Texas being a one point favorite. It's all the way up to Texas favored by six at Stillwater at Boone Pickens Stadium. Does that how much pause does that give you with Spencer Sanders' availability with the line to jump that drastically? in favor of Texas, or or is it just an, a reaction to the way that Sanders' day went last week against TCU? Opened up seven for 10 for like 115 yards, a touchdown to Richardson, and then the rest of the game, only nine of 26, and you could literally see the, the strength in his arm weaken as the game went along. You know, the pass to, to Braden Johnson in the fourth quarter would have been a touchdown in the first quarter, in my mind, when he was still completely... Uh, as fresh as he was at any point on Saturday. That ball gets over the – I mean, Johnson's got the guy beat by three or four steps for a touchdown in the fourth quarter to seal the game. And instead, the ball floats and it ends up getting picked off because it was way short. You think it's – you think either – it's got to be a reaction to Spencer Sanders' health one way or the other.
3: Absolutely it is. I think there might be some insiders who are going to know. I haven't paid attention to any kind of practice report, but is he practicing this week? came out kind of after the game that he didn't practice at all last week is he you know and if it if it uh looks like he's has not he's been limited in practice i could see why that money coming in on texas absolutely you know why that line might get a little bigger but it is in stillwater it's homecoming um always tough to win in stillwater during on that particular saturday but this is texas they seem rejuvenated and um but I, I wonder why why is you know Texas didn't exactly uh, handle Iowa state as easily like as they did OH or OU you know I think OSU she was way better than Iowa State.
1: Oh, I do too. Yeah, I mean, but Iowa State plays defense, man. That defense is good. They do play defense. It's very, very good, and they were able to hold Texas way down. I mean, it, I dro- kept wondering. Xavier Hutchinson drops the game. Uh, he's one of the best receivers in the Big Twelve. Deckers finds him open on the five yard line. He drops the ga- drops the game, and then then a couple of plays or maybe the next play, Deckers runs it up the middle. He gets hit in the head, loses the football. It's close to whether or not he's down. They they review it, not for targeting. Which it was, I mean, almost the definition of targeting. Yeah. They don't review that. They, they kind of look at the fumble. They can't decide. Call, call stands. Texas wins the game. Um, but uh, I, I think, and this is right, uh, Tex, those guys up front, Oklahoma State's defensive line has been lauded and, and for good reason. They, they've had guys that have made plays for years on that offense, on that defensive line, excuse me. But they didn't really show up down at TCU. Like you thought they were, or like they needed to, mm-hmm. to close that game. So they're going to have to be, you know, in, in a home crowded atmosphere, people going nuts, harder to hear on the offense. I and mean, it doesn't take, it doesn't take but about a foot and a half for Trace Ford or Colin Oliver or any of those guys to get past you, and and wreck the game uh, in the backfield with Quinn Ewers. It, it's hard, It's just harder on the road for those guys to communicate and get off the ball at this Edin in a timely fashion, and that plays into. Oklahoma State's strengths no doubt about it um, for me it's still I don't know if it's stubbornness I don't know if they just really believe that certain guys are better players but it's hard for me to believe that 30 isn't out there more often than he is Oliver was was a freshman the defensive freshman of the year in the country last year with like 12 and a half sacks and I just don't see him out there enough for my liking even though Trace Ford has proven to, to get back and, and, and be healthy. Um, for the most part, and he he looks like he did early on in his career. But to me, you've got to figure out a package to get all those guys out there, and Colin Oliver has to be on the field more than what it seems like he's been in in just kind of not necessarily studying, but just watching it. It seems like I'm always seeing uh, Brian Martin, Trace Ford. Where is Colin Oliver?
3: Yeah. Makes you wonder about the stubbornness side of the coaching staff. And, it, and it's listen, something that they think they're seeing that we're not—I don't know.
1: And they're loaded. I, you know, we we talked about the the incredible amount of depth that they have along that defensive front. You know, Lacey is there, Evers is there. I mean, they've got tons of them. But this is a case to me where depth is actually hurting because the, the best players aren't always out there.
3: I gotta be careful with that because there's a thing called the transfer portal. You can't keep them happy. You can't give them what they think is enough playing time. Then. You could lose some good guys like him, yeah, like on Oliver, the,
1: on the text line. That's right. The, the third down play where Trace Ford was back there and he just kind of reaches out and, and he grabbed the face mask. So instead of a stop, OSU gets the ball. TCU ends up scoring a touchdown on that drive. No doubt that was a huge play in that game, uh, where Ford was in a great you know he he made a great effort to to make a huge play, and unfortunately went the other way. Um, other games this week uh, besides OSU Texas, you got Oregon and UCLA. UCLA goes to Oregon. Clemson, Syracuse in the ACC. A couple of undefeated teams there in Death Valley. Mississippi State and Alabama. Uh, and that's and that one's at Bama. The history on this for Mississippi State isn't very good. Following an Alabama loss, it seems like they played Mississippi State the last three years, or the last two years. This will be number three. And they pummeled them every time. Mm-hmm. And then... Kansas State and TCU, all the TCU love, but it's back at home. Boy, TCU's got the favorable home schedule this year, no doubt about it. Uh, So Kansas State goes down there. Kansas State quietly hanging around. And, oh, by the way, Jared, we've been talking about how bad that loss to Tulane was. You know, just a shocking, horrible loss. Did you happen to notice who's number twenty five in the poll this sure, week? Sure did. I'll be darned if it didn't the two lane green wave. First so first
3: time since ninety
1: eight. Yeah, Kansas State kind of getting a little bump in the in perception maybe down the line if they're able to keep winning from a from a loss that we thought was horrible to to uh, two lane. Now not looking quite so bad for the Wildcats. Give me your top ten this week.
3: Mm, okay, I'll go with UCLA ten, Oregon nine, uh, TCU at eight. Again, I told you all fair. It's gonna be all over the place. Uh, Clemson seven, Ole Miss six. I still got Bam in my top five. My top four includes Michigan, Tennessee, Georgia, then Ohio State.
1: All right, I've got two teams that can move up this week into the top ten: Oregon and Syracuse.
3: So those are your also receiving those are those
1: are you know I kind of like to have okay show me something teams or teams that had the opportunity Mm. those are the those are the two this week oregon and syracuse number 10 i've got oklahoma state i thought they should have won that game and they should be a top five team right now just couldn't close it for multiple reasons number nine ucla number eight i've got clemson number seven tcu bama six Ole miss five i've got georgia at four Mm. not necessarily anything of their doing but I thought Michigan was incredibly impressive against Penn State, a top-10 team. Whether or not Penn State should have been there, that's up for debate. But the way that they dominated that, even when they were behind 14-13 to 13 after, the, after the pick six, they had still just dominated that football game. Ran for over 400 yards against yeah, Penn State. they can run. So I've got Michigan three. I've got Ohio State two. And for one week, because of what they've done for three straight weeks, Tennessee – as the number 1 team in the country right now in my mind with the three straight top 25 wins and oh by the way that pit win is still looking pretty good back from uh, back in the uh, non conference. Yep.
3: Yeah, if um I'm giving number one votes out it's Georgia and Tennessee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But Ohio State I think has has shown me at least their product on field is that they they look like the best team. But yeah, Michigan though, that's an impressive win cuz we didn't really know about them they haven't really they hadn't played, played anybody. anybody. Yeah. Uh,
1: they played one of the worst schedules in the country up until – And they
3: were beating the, the doors off of people, and then they go and beat the doors off of a pretty good Penn State team. I'm impressed.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And all those – you know, I, I think people are going to start, as they look at Harbaugh, success he had last year, now into this year, they're going to go back and look at, at what he did the years prior and realize, you know what, he was actually pretty good. He just couldn't beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe we, we, we kind of dogged his overall performance a little bit too much because of one game. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll hit some high school stuff, and then coming up at uh, 10.15, excuse me, we'll have the head coach of the Burns Flat Deal City Eagles, Brian Archer, on with us to talk about their season and the final three games of the district, including a huge one uh, in a week, if they can get a win over Hooker this week. It will set up a massive showdown. With a fair. Deal. We're at Janices Cafe on a Paul Jones drug Tuesday. Come back for more Skinny on Sports on 98.1 FM, the sports animal.
0: Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medication safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients. With their drive through window, curbside service, and free local delivery, it's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street, Milk City.
1: I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust.
3: The Skinny on Sports.
1: Hey, welcome back. Skinny on Sports 98.1 FM, the sports animal hanging out at Janice's Cafe. Taco salad is the lunch special today, but the cool thing about Janice's is they serve their complete menu all day long. So if you wake up in the morning, Maybe on a let's say it's it's Monday through it's Monday through Sunday, so open every day. Maybe you wake up let's say a Saturday morning. You really we really got her done the night before. twisted off a little bit. You wake up earlier than you really want to, your head's hurting a bit, and you think, Boy, I realize it's eight fifteen, but I'd sure like a bacon cheeseburger. Right here it is. Janice's Cafe would have that for you, serving their full menu all day long. Um, every single day, six to nine, every day of the week here at Janice's Cafe. Taco Salad is the lunch special today here at Janice's. Also, it's a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. Rodney Skinner at Paul Jones Drug. We told you about all the great things they do medically for you. Also, don't forget, awesome cards, awesome greeting cards, really cool gifts. So if uh, you're you're looking for uh, something for somebody's birthday or graduation or get well soon card or anything like that, You can find it down at Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main in Elk City. Okay, Jared, high school football. Uh, Once again, we, we being Elk City's broadcast crew, have a Thursday night game, a titanic matchup over in Weatherford between the Big Elks and the Weatherford Eagles. Weatherford's won three straight. there now alone in second – well, in second place. I guess they're actually tied for second in the district standings uh, with Chickasha. Uh, But this game – there's a lot of different scenarios coming off the results of this game on Thursday. Uh, if Elk City were able to win it over there in Weatherford on Woody Roof Field Thursday night, it's hard to find a path for anybody else in 4A1 to be the district winner except for Elk City if you just look at the results that have happened so far this season. Because the final two games after, after Thursday night, you're looking at John Marshall and Woodward who have the worst uh, records in the district the last two remaining uh, games on Elk City's schedule. On Weatherford's side, they've still got John Marshall as well. So there's a lot of different scenarios that are at play depending on what the result of that game is over in Weatherford on Thursday night.
3: Yeah, um, I'm just trying to think, you know, the scenarios of if there's any scenario where Elk City can win on Thursday night and. Unexpectedly, drop to John Marshall or Woodward. One of them. Well, if, where they could still be district champions, one hundred percent there is some help.
1: No, uh, it, it, if if Elk City wins against Weatherford, the only way that they could possibly lose the district title would be to lose both. Because
3: hard to see that happen. Well,
1: Elk City putting the, the loss on Weatherford puts them at two losses. Everybody else has two except for Chickasha, mm-hmm. and so one yeah. loss. Elk City obviously gets the gets tie the tiebreaker after what happened last Thursday. So. A win, a win against Weatherford on Thursday night would go a long, long way into putting the Elks in position to be the district champ for the first time since 1998. On the other side, a Weatherford win, then it gets, then it gets interesting because at that point, whatever happens Friday for Chicken, but before Friday, you would have three teams with one loss that all have beat each other. So you go to... Then you go to district points. District points. So that's where, you know, the, the closeness of the games. It's also, right now, the Elks lead the district points at 3-0, and they're also a game behind, meaning they still have a game in hand to be able to get 15 of those points. So if you... There's a lot of things going here um, with, with way, the way the district points are. You know, Weatherford's still got John Marshall. Chickasha, on the other hand, their their task is a lot harder. Hosting Clinton then go into cash. So they've kind of played the, the lesser teams in the district early, now starting to play the stronger teams late, whereas Elk City and even kind of Weatherford, they've done it the opposite way, played the tougher teams at first. Once they get done with each other, then they're kind of to the bottom, bottom end of the spectrum as far as where the district standings lead. So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, to me, Weatherford's gotten way – you look at their, their roster, very few seniors on that roster. That sophomore class has been the class that they've been waiting on Um, And it looks to me like they've grown up throughout this season and are starting to really kind of stamp their mark on what Weatherford football will not only be this year, but then moving forward, I mean, they they look like probably a team that when you look at at next year and the predictions in 4A1, I have a feeling that they're going to be in in the top one or two because of that sophomore class and because of of how much they've grown so far here throughout this season – And then, of course, looking forward to two more with all those guys out there for Weatherford.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen, last year was was a down year for Weatherford, but no one really expected him to stay down. So I'm not really shocked to see him back um, contending for the district title and um, and where they're at. I mean, they got a good coach and and that good class of sophomores right there, um, mainly Nixon. That dude is yeah, a stud and, Ch- and, and Chisholm. They've, they've yeah, got a bunch of. They, they've got a bunch, man. You they look do. at that roster;
1: yeah. it's only like seven or eight seniors, and everybody else is juniors and, and, and sophomores. Yeah, so it'd be an interesting, interesting battle uh, over there at Weatherford. Um, the the statewide rankings: all three polls are out. Uh, all three polls in Class Four A have Cushing number one. Tulsa World and AP has the Big Oaks number two, and then uh, the the Oklahoman poll has Blanchard two. Uh, the Oklahoman has the folks clear down at five? That's been consistent to where they've had. You know, they really haven't done a lot of, of of changing since Blanchard beat Tuttle. It's been kind of consistent down through there. Uh, they they've got Wagner at four, as does the Tulsa World. You know, so that's a team that's four and three that gets that respect because of who they are. Bethany's in the top three, uh, top five of of uh, two polls. So it, it's. It's kind of an interesting – it feels like the same teams in the top fives of both polls for the most part, just in a completely different order uh, between the AP, the Oklahoman, and actually the AP puts Broken Bow way higher than anybody else clear up at number three, whereas they're down at seven in the Oklahoman's poll.
3: Yeah, I've said it over and over. The AP is more of what they have done, what teams have done and where where they've earned their ranking and in the Oklahoma it feels like where they feel like they're going to be where they finish. Um Tulsa's kind of leaning back more the way of the AP of of what they've done and um that's how I would vote it. Is who do you who have you beaten and how have you looked doing it? And Elk City has looked the part to be a top 2 team in the state uh, with with uh the challenges that they've had, Chickasha, the way they handled them, the way they went on the road and beat Cash and got those district points, all that stuff. I, they're, and then based on what happened throughout the rest of the rest of the uh, of the class with teams losing, that they earned that right to be number two. So, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about how I feel about the Oklahoma and how they rank them. I don't like that approach, honestly of where they think they're going to end up. I mean, okay, if that's where you think they're going to end up, then that should be your last ranking at the end of the year. But I think there are teams that deserve to be ranked a little higher than what the Oklahoma has, them, mainly Elk City.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell if, that's, if it's what you're talking about or not wanting to budge of what they thought.
3: They don't want to – admit yeah. they were
1: wrong in some certain aspects of of the way teams have actually and performed on the field.
3: There, then there's the angle of are they selling papers?
1: Yeah, maybe you so. Know,
3: I mean, Blanchard, I get it, a little closer to, to the Metro than Elk City is.
1: In Class B, all three polls, uh, two of them go through uh, Oklahoma and Tulsa World goes down through the top ten. Once again, five Class B District 1 teams in that top ten. In the Tulsa World ceilings, two, Laverne, three, Turpin undefeated coming off the win over Balco Forgan. They're uh, five or six depending on what poll you're looking at. Um, You've got Balco Forgan at seven. Shattuck at 8, Hollis at 9 or 10. So all five of those teams that are left standing in Class B's District 1, all five ranked in the top 10. And all that means is, Jared, somebody that's a really good football team isn't even going to make it to the playoffs because of the strength of that district. And and then also uh, our guest coming up here in just a couple of minutes, uh, Coach Archer's Burns Flat Deal City Eagles. They've only been able to crack the top 10 in one poll so far this year. It's been the AP they come in at number eight again this week uh, as the undefeated 7-0 and Burns Flat Dill City Eagles stay at number eight in the AP not ranked in any of the other two polls just yet uh, but uh, they'll have opportunities moving forward as we'll talk about with Brian here coming up uh, Hooker at home this week and then that, that massive road game the following Friday against uh, a consistent number three Fairview Yellow Jacket team in about all the polls and they've been there uh, the entire time so that you know they're uh, maybe there's a little disrespect going on so far with Burns Flat Deal City, but they will have a chance to right all of those wrongs if they're able to up in uh, not only Hooker this week, but then the big matchup against Fairview that following week uh, would be a way for them to vault uh, into every poll and then probably move up quite a bit in the AP since they've consistently kind of been there for the last few weeks in the bottom of that top ten.
3: Yeah, looking at the AP, they put down who's received, vote, received number one votes. It's crazy if Fairview hasn't received one.
1: Yeah, it's been Ringling and Gore. Uh, but there they are And then now Hominy. And
3: Hominy, someone down – where is Hominy? Is it Southeast? I, northeast. Northeast. Someone's not paying attention to what's happening over at Fairview. But we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, Burns played a big opportunity this week and it sets up a big game against that Fairview
1: team. Yeah, got to take care of business against Hooker first uh, as the, the Bulldogs in a log jam tied for third at two and 2 coming into this week uh, with Moreland and Texoma. They've already played uh, after this week, then they'll get Merritt and Thomas, so Hooker looks to be in pretty good shape to end up being one of the final two playoff teams in Class A's District 1. Looks to me like maybe Texoma Moreland at the end of the season. Might be the the decider on who's number four, but we shall see. All right, let's take a break. We'll get Brian on the horn, talk to... Uh, the head coach of the Burns Flat Dill City Eagles next about uh, the season so far and what's coming up on the horizon uh, for Burns Flat in his first year as the head coach of the Eagles we're hanging out at Janice's Cafe one more segment of the Skinny on Sports right here 98.1 FM
0: Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medications safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed, separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long term care patients with their drive through window, curbside service, and free local delivery. It's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street, Milk City.
1: I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug. And I promise we provide care you can trust. All right. Welcome back. Skinny on sports. 98.1 FM, the sports animal hanging out at Janice's cafe this morning. Uh, it's been a big crowd all the way through the entirety of the show, eating breakfast or maybe even lunch because they serve a full menu all day long. Final segment will be joined right now by the head coach. First year head coach of the number eight in the AP poll seven and zero, undefeated Burns Flat Dill City Eagles. It is Mr. Brian Archer on the horn with us. Uh, Archie, how are you doing, man?
2: Man, I'm I'm good. You know, I mean, just just busy, busy, busy.
1: Uh, you know, you were you were assistant coach uh, years ago, right here in Elk City, uh, junior high, high school. Tell everybody out there that that remembers your name and remembers your face. Uh, where have you? Where has your career gone over the last few years before uh, landing at Burns Flat this year?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I was an Elk for. 10 years you know i mean you guys have some coaches that uh i coached you know uh, yeah. <laughs> coach pepper and the, the thornton brothers you know i mean so and uh i've got a former player from Elk city that's assistant coach jason jones he's helped me out over here but uh you know spent some time in cash and had a good run over there and uh uh you know i was just looking forward to getting back to western oklahoma and throwing my hat in the ring for a head coaching job and uh Burns Flat, you know, has got a pretty, pretty decent tradition of, you know, having a bunch of tough kids, big kids, strong kids. I was just super excited to have the opportunity to come over here with these guys. These kids are great, man.
1: Uh Cash and it's it's a team in a school that's that's perennially right there at at the top of class, say, year after year after year. Uh, what what did you kind of pick up as you were you were there for those years and not only uh, maybe different schemes, but just how to run the program all, overall that set you up for the success you guys are having this year?
2: Well, uh, those guys do a great job. I mean Coach Coach Shackleford, you know, he's he's done a heck of a job at his time as head coach there. Um, Coach Robertson, the offensive line coach, been there for 30 plus years. I learned so much from him. Um, it's incredible that the, his amount of knowledge of the offensive line. And, uh, you know, we went and met with them. Uh, Jason and I went and met with Coach Robertson before the season started, you know, and I wanted Jason to get a feel of, you know, what I want our offensive line to be like. And, uh, uh, and then Coach Wood, the defensive coordinator, you know, just his preparation, uh, for games and, and, and teams and, uh, he and I worked really close together on preparing for teams, you know, we had for some monsters too, you know, ringlings, huskies. So the the wealth of knowledge over there is outstanding and I just I learned so much from those guys.
3: Hey coach Jared Atha here. Thanks again for being on with us. I know coaches are busy. You're not you're not telling us anything we don't know, <laughs> so thank you for your time. Hey, talk about sure, your sir. season up to this point. You're 7 and 0 and and looking really good at it. I mean, started off Gangbusters just scoring points after points and and even um Uh, winning in different ways like with defense Uh, so we're seeing different uh, ends of the spectrum here but talk about uh, your journey so far this year
2: well first of all uh, i give credit to these kids i mean they play with great effort and a lot of times as a coach it's hard to get kids sometimes to be willing participants uh in certain aspects of the game where they're not going to get a lot of glory you know but these kids they work their tails off and they, they play really really hard uh Try to get lined up right that's the most important thing is to be lined up right you know and then use the techniques that we work out through you know through the week um and, and you know just prepare for the teams uh, these kids watch a lot of film i don't know that i've been around a, a, a group of kids that's watched so much film you know i mean i'll share the films with them and i'll look and see week to week on i mean they have some of them have almost as much film time as i do. so that's a really good deal
1: uh as jared missing offensively you guys have been rolling uh, from the really the very beginning of the season, uh, offensive line a huge part of that. Talk about some other guys uh, that have been uh, buoying the success of you guys' offense uh, throughout the season.
2: Well, you know, like you said, the, the offensive line credit goes to those guys. The offensive line and the fullback um, and the tight ends and, and even the wide receivers are willing participants in the blocking game. Um, so yeah, all the credit goes to them. However, we do have a pretty special kid at running back, and Evan Donaldson, number 22. Uh, Luke Schneeberger was the quarterback. He's got a little leg injury. Uh, we hope to have him back soon. Uh, but those, those two guys have mastered a, a, a tremendous amount of yards. I don't know the numbers right off the top of my head. There's a couple of games I haven't added up yet. But um, our, our run game has been pretty outstanding to this point.
3: Looking ahead to this week, Hooker comes to town. But I bet it's hard. I mean, you're looking at this team now – but then next week, that Fairview game looms. Are, how is it hard to keep your guys focused, or has this been a group that's there just one game at a time?
2: We've been one game at a time all year. Uh, you know, the most important game is the next one. The most important play is the next one. You know, that's something I try to instill in these guys when I first met them back in the spring. It's a process. You know, you can't, you can't get to the ending without what's going on in the middle. Um, you know, and, and this is the most important game this year. Uh, this the hooker game is the most important game for us this year so far. So we've got to take care of business this week um, and solidify a, a spot in the playoffs. That was the number one goal. And then we'll worry about next week after the soccer game.
1: Yeah, uh, defensively, though, uh, it, it's been fantastic as well, uh, averaging giving up just a shade over seven a game uh, with a couple of different shutouts. Uh, how are those guys, some of the guys that have, that have been really stars on your defense as well?
2: Uh, deep at line, uh, uh, Gage Steele, that knows, Roden right Cluth, and uh, Junior Plaza at the defensive tackles. They're great. Evan plays linebacker, Um, outside linebackers. uh, Don Picotti and uh, Jake Gore have done an outstanding job of, you know, keeping – holding the edge and and turning everything back inside. uh, In the defensive backs, you know, they're trying to figure out coverage schemes that I like to run. It's a little bit different than what they've done last year. And uh, it took us a little bit to get going, but they've done a great job. I think uh, uh, Sebastian – Huffmaster, he had uh, three picks against Thomas the other night, so that really helped us out. So we've we've had, oh man, we've we've had several interceptions this year, you know. So defense has just been all over it, and they really bought in hook, line, and sinker to play in tough, hard-nosed, gritty defense.
1: What are your numbers like uh, over there at Burns Flat in Class A? You know, they've, there's been times where they've been at an eight-man team, but then back up into the eleven-man into Class A. How are how are your numbers holding uh, over there for the Eagles?
2: Sure, I mean we've got well, we're thirty, thirty-three kids, I believe. Thirty kids right now, um, you know, and then uh, uh junior high. We're down a little bit. There's a couple classes that don't have a lot of a lot of boys in it, but there's some good players there. So, but if we can hold together, you know, that that split will help us out quite a bit. You know, it's coming in a couple of years. Obviously, I mean, you know, you look at the sidelines of some of these teams that we play, and I was like, How do they have this many kids. It's amazing. You know, uh, one doesn't look like the other when you look at the sidelines a lot of times. But uh, hopefully, you know, I mean, uh, you know, my first year here, I can get these kids excited and I get more kids out to participate, you know, and they'll you know, start buying in. Because so that's, that's how you create a culture. you got to get the young guys in, you know, the the, the J-high guys. Uh, whenever I had spent some time over in Elk City uh, with uh, Coach Williams, he always told those junior high guys, he said, when you take that team picture, how many kids can you keep in that picture by the time you graduate? And that's how you create a culture. So, And that's just what I'm trying to do over here because these kids want it.
1: We're hanging out with uh, head coach Brian Archer of the Burns Flat Deal City Eagles. Go ahead, Drew.
3: Well, yeah, I was just kind of talk about that culture. What was it like coming in? I know Schneeberger, he had coached Jacob Schneeberger, Schneeberger who moved on. At least what from my I understood, he, he kind of had to rebuild that culture. Was it in a good spot when you found it?
2: Yeah, no, you know, he, he he's done a good job here. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously coaches do things a little bit differently, but, no, he's, he's done a, he's done a, he did a good job here. And uh, these kids are, you know, like I said, they were ready to play. I mean, whenever I walked in the door, they were ready to go. And so he did a good job as far as that goes. Um, so I'm just going to keep it going and just try to build on that.
1: You guys 7-0, three more uh, district games left, as you mentioned, another win, and then really solidifies your spot in the playoffs. If there is, uh, say, a couple of things, one thing or, or two, that you would like your team to improve to really kind of start working toward peaking at the right time, which would be in the playoffs, what, what are some, what are a couple of those things that you're like, ah, just a little bit better here, and all of a sudden we're a really good team?
2: I think I think we could throw the ball a little bit better. You know, I mean, I've got, uh, you know, when Luke comes back, I, I feel like he could throw the ball a little bit better than what he had, um, and then uh, Dalton Davis will play some quarterback. Uh, he, he can throw the ball, and uh, uh, I think we can get better You know, to kind of spread the field out a little bit. I mean, uh, obviously teams, when they watch us, they know that they're going to have to stop the run. I mean, and that's that's easier said than done with the size of these linemen and the effort they play with over here. But uh, I feel like we can throw the ball a little bit better.
1: Oh, well, man, uh, we appreciate your time. Thank I got, you I got go. one more. Oh, got I, one got more? One more. Okay.
3: I I uh, always ask this question because I'm a guy looking for these angles. I What's the support like? Uh, the the support been like there at burns flat obviously winning helps but uh, even before the season started did you feel a lot of support from the community the school even uh, students people like that
2: yes absolutely no the administration has been great uh, the, the faculty has been great and the community you know I just see signs up to local businesses here you know to support our team um, you know people ask if there's anything they can ever do just let them know you know I mean it's no it, it's been good it's the this. this this uh, this community deserves, uh, you know, the effort that these kids have put forth, and and you know they're really really excited about it. they you know more and more people show up each week. I don't really pay attention myself to the numbers, but you can just tell that the feel is different when you listen to the crowd. It's a little bit different, and it's a little bit louder than where it started this year. So. You know, the community support's definitely here. And the administration, I give a lot of credit to them, too. They, they said, hey, whatever you need, we're behind you. You know, it's your program, you know, just let us know. So it's, it's been good. it has
1: got to be a, a really a really nice feeling to know that you have that support behind you for sure. Absolutely. Hey, hey congratulations on your, your first season there, doing a heck of a job over at Burns Flat. It's good to have you back in Western Oklahoma, Brian.
2: Thanks, Ken. Good to be back. Absolutely. So we need to get together in Frenchville sometime.
1: Hey, when it, whenever you want to. It's going to be warm this weekend, uh, but uh, okay. it seems like my weekends get taken up with little kid things, uh, little kid sports I, a lot. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> no, I get it, man. It's <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. Exactly so, yeah, right. We'll get together soon, but, uh, yeah, it's good to be back, man.
1: I right, appreciate it. Uh, good luck uh, with the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll be talking again uh, before the Eagles season Anytime. is over.
2: Anytime. Just give me a holler, Skinny.
1: Will do, man. Thank all you, right. Brian.
2: You guys take care. Thanks for having me. All all right. Right.
1: Yes, See. sir. Brian Archer, head coach of the Burns Flat Dill City Eagles, 7 0. Hooker coming to town uh, this week, ranked number eight in the AP poll in Class A this week. Uh, yeah, a lot of people remember Brian from his time as an assistant uh, in the junior high and the high school at Elk City, uh, and then moving on to cash and now back out in Western Oklahoma uh, for the first year uh, head coach, Brian Archer. All right, Jared. All right. All you people looking for Pat Jones, he's coming up next. <laughs> may have missed jonesing for johnny's
3: oh darn we well pre- i'll tell you what just come out here to uh to janice's Inn.
1: yeah come on out to janice's. i mean all meat yeah. uh, all meat uh omelet Oof. by the way how many people do you think watch alabama tennessee a ton just you got, you got any guesses no
3: I, I i'm not good at that just a ton of people
1: 11.6 million viewers over a million more than the second best, second most watched game this this season,
3: which was what? I don't know. Yeah,
1: eleven point six mil.
3: I want to know when when do they measure that from kickoff to the ending.
1: I think the entire or time. at the
3: peak is it the was that the peak amount of water. Walk- no, you I mean, know what I mean. You, you can
1: find that, but I think it's an average over the over the length of the of the game. Because how
3: many people tuned in? They saw the score and go oh, and they tuned in in the fourth or I late you, in the fourth.
1: I bet you we can find that number, and I bet you it's more than eleven point six million when that knuckleball kick <laughs> went over, and it scraped the paint off the back of, of the. Uh, you think Tennessee fans post. realize
3: how close that thing really was? I
1: didn't until I saw Clay Travis put out a tweet was like, holy crap, I didn't know it was this close. And you see it from right underneath the goalpost. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that thing just
3: barely yeah.
1: got over the top. Yeah,
3: a little lucky there.
1: Of the they
3: uh, don't remember that.
1: What is it called? The crossbar.
3: Well, now they got to get a new crossbar.
1: Yeah. Let's see if they can wrestle up the money to be able to play. <laughs> Let's football see if they can there. scrape by there. <laughs> All right. That'll do it from Janice's. Thank you so much to the folks here at Janice's Cafe. Also, uh, thank you to Paul Jones Drug. It's Paul Jones Drug Tuesday each and every Tuesday here on the Skinny On Sports. Tomorrow we'll be in studio. I'm sure we'll have uh, Coach Maynard. I'll try to dig out toward the end of the show. We'll talk about last week's win and then look ahead. The matchup against Westford this week. This has been the Skinny on Sports, right here on the Sports Channel. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening.
0: That ball is blistered to right. Wow. Well-